contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Welcome to another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brand. What a guest I have this week and what a week it has been with sort of sports media news this week between Tony Romo becoming the number one broadcaster on the number one team, by the way, of CBS football coming this year and foregoing for now, or we can say for now or not, his career as a professional quarterback. And then, of course, the news that just came down with Amazon becoming a Thursday night partner replacing Twitter with the NFL. I've got the guy to talk about it, the perfect guy who's involved in breaking both stories. John Oran from Sports Business Journal, friend and colleague that's going to be at a symposium uh, that I'm hosting on Friday. John, welcome and thanks for being with us. Thanks for the offer. Happy to be here. Let's start with Romo. Uh, you know, To me, the question, uh, a lot of questions is about how it happened, but sort of timing is kind of the first thing. Here's a guy that's basically been on the open market, even though technically only since March, but I think the whole world knew since the end of 2016 season that he would not be back on the Cowboys roster because they're good at quarterback and he was looking for an opportunity to play somewhere. And now it took until a month into free agency where he decides not to go back and play. And again, so many questions, did he have any options or not? But I think it all boiled down in my mind to here was a better option outside of football. Can you take us inside how that came together with Sean McManus and CBS? Well, the uh, I, I know that Schefter um, was talking to either Romo or people close to Romo who, who said that you know he's concerned, concerned about his health. The past this couple of seasons that he played, you know, he didn't mm-hmm. play full seasons. He didn't play at all last season, um, and you know he's going to be 37 uh, this month. And you know they're playing football at the age of 37 when you're the type of quarterback that he is. He's not sort of like a a pocket passer. He you know he uses his legs a lot and tries to get around. I mean you're sort of prone for injury there. Um, right. But uh, you know I I've talked. So there are two ways to answer this. One is so if you're Tony Romo, there are you know and you're thinking about your post career and he has. A certain he has a quality that not a lot of people have that TV executives want. He's he's engaging. He's good looking. He's able to connect with audiences. He's smart. He sees a football game. Everybody views him. Everybody that I've talked to, I, quite literally, one hundred percent of the TV executives I talk to view him as sort of a can't miss prospect uh, that that come in. But if you look at the you know, Fox, their number one team is Troy Aikman, who's relatively young. He's not going anywhere anytime soon. Phil Simms has been the number one analyst at CBS Sports for, you know, 15 to 20 years. And you have Chris Collinsworth, and uh, mm-hmm. who's been there for a decade. And before him, there was uh, John Madden, who was there forever. These number one spots, they don't, they don't turn up that quickly. I mean, they, they don't turn over. They, usually when somebody gets them, they keep them for a long time. So if I'm Tony Romo and I'm seeing that there's a possibility for me to step into the number one spot at CBS, boy, you know, I, yeah, I'm going to try to do that. On, on the other side of the coin, you know, Fox wanted Tony Romo, CBS wanted Tony Romo, NBC uh, kicked the tires on, on him, ESPN also, uh, you know, they, uh, sort of kicked the tires. They, they were never very serious about it, though. Um, they... 
they see Tony Romo as, you know, uh, the same way that they saw Peyton Manning uh, a, a couple of years ago, right, right after Peyton retired. Um, the same way they saw Brett Favre a couple of years ago. These are people that don't come around, you know, every year. And and if if they come around, you want to sort of get them and get them in, and you think that they're they're going to be good. And be, everybody believes, everyone believes that that he's going to do a good job with it. Did when you say the other networks were involved, I'm assuming you talked about the the spots of the other networks with Aikman with Collinsworth. I'm assuming none of them got to the level of we're going to make you our number one team. Right. Fox talked to him and uh, John Lynch left Fox to uh, take a job, right. in, in, you know, with the team. So they had a uh, they had their number two analyst position open. And that's what they had slotted for Tony Romo. And uh, uh, I thought I had heard, actually, that Fox was a front runner as a little as like a week and a half or two, two weeks ago. The idea of, you know, sliding in the number two spot so that there's less of a uh, spotlight on you. The idea of doing the NFC, which Tony Romo obviously knows as well as anybody because he played in the mm-hmm. NFC. Uh, on CBS, they have the AFC package, so it might be a little bit more difficult over there. Um, and then I'd, I'd heard that uh, Fox was more more of the front runner. Uh, NBC, I'm not sure quite what NBC offered. Uh, it, it more seems like kicking the tires. Uh, Chris Collinsworth, mm-hmm. Collinsworth wasn't going to go anywhere. They have spots on, in the studio, but I'm not sure if that's what uh, Romo wanted to do. Um, but uh, when when CBS came with the number the number one analyst slot and with the uh, the amount of money that they were offering, it you know it was a no brainer for him apparently. And you have a sense of the money. I mean, I know we know what starting quarterbacks make. We know backup quarterbacks. It's a big range, anywhere from kind of a million dollars all the way to like eight million dollars. Do you have any sense of what he's going to make at CBS? I I have not heard yet, but I, I, I there was. I don't want to call it a bidding war because I don't think Fox went went, uh, went to the uh, do the quote unquote war, you know. But but mm-hmm. uh, CBS certainly paid enough to to make Fox sort of go away. And and with the this this strong interest in Roma that you talk about with all these networks, I guess I mean you and I are both media, and I work with ESPN. I guess the question is always. Does experience matter, or is it all about the fact what they've seen him in interviews, what they've seen him as a, as you said, good-looking, able to break down what goes on on the field from his player point of view? Is that sort of enough of a resume? And and I suppose it is. Well, there are two ways to answer that. I think one is, you know, if you talk to uh, all of these network executives, know Tony Romo because. When they go to do the Cowboys games, they sit down with Tony before the game and they, they watch him interact and they watch how he describes what's going to happen. He puts it in lay, he puts their strategy in layman's terms and everybody comes away from those meetings saying, boy, that is going to be a good broadcaster. And they did the same. Like I said, they did the same thing with Peyton. They did the same thing with uh, Brett Favre. Right. Um, the, the, the problem is that. You know, there is going to be such. He he's doing the Super Bowl in two years. There is going to be right. such a, a white hot spotlight on him. And if you think about how Troy Aikman got to be the number one um, uh, analyst for for Fox, he started doing uh, NFL Europe games. You know, and and then when when he came over to Fox, they they put him in a three man booth with Chris Collinsworth just to try to ease him in because he, uh, I always go back. Maybe maybe it's because I'm a Maryland guy. 
Andrew, yeah. but, uh, the, you know, Boomer could have uh, played, right. Boomer Esiason could have played a couple more years for the Bengals. Um, but there was an opening at Monday Night Football back when Monday Night Football was the franchise, you know, and he, he made that decision, well, I better go in there. And I've talked with him since then, and, and he said, like, he, he wishes that he had that job now as opposed to when he got it, because when he got it, he just wasn't ready for it. It was, you know, it, it was <laughs> almost too big. He, he didn't ease into that role. Yeah, you talk about the networks and the, and the broadcasters knowing Romo. A quick story from my experience with the Packers and Brett Favre. Brett, of course, was the guy that every network would request on the day before the game when they have their production meetings. And he'd always prefer to go last. So they'd talk to the coach, one or two other players, and Brett would be last. And it's you, you probably would understand this, John. We would look for Brett like hours later, like, where is he? And he's still talking to those guys. He'd be in there with Madden, with Aikman, with Collinsworth. Because, first of all, he couldn't go anywhere. He'd be mobbed. Second of all, he didn't want to sit in an empty room and watch TV. So he'd just talk football with those guys. And we'd be like, where's Brett? Oh, he's still in there. And these these CBS or NBC or Fox guys would be packing up, like looking at their watches. They're missing their dinner reservations because... Brett wouldn't stop talking football with these guys. So I, I can see how these guys just love that atmosphere. Yeah, and, 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 and not only that, but it also conveyed Brett loved football. I mean, he loved it. You could tell the way he played yeah. on the field, but the, that, that's what came through to the executives. And I think that's what uh, Ed Gorin had a great quote. I forget who talked to him. It might have been uh, Barry Horn at, at Dallas, but somebody had it. He said, you can't teach personality. You're, you right. can't develop personality. You either have it or you don't. And every one of these executives see this personality in Tony Romo that comes out. I mean, I know he was reading off a card, but think about you know when he ceded the quarterback position to uh, Dak Prescott. I mean, that right. he just connected with people in a way that you know very few very few athletes are able to do it. Uh, he, he does inter- Instagram videos where he, you know he's working out and trying to get back and play and playing shape, and he's, he just uh, has a has a sense of how to connect with uh, with the viewer and, and with his fans that uh, that really have these TV executives sal- salivating. Yeah, there's a lot too. I mean, obviously Brett was his hero growing up. He grew up in Wisconsin. There's a lot of authenticity connection between those two. I guess the final questions about Romo, and you may not know the sort of the, the Cowboys NFL part of it as well as obviously you know the media part, but you know how, how much of that decision you think is well, you know I could be, I could compete for the starting job at the Texans versus what if he was being offered a, a number two role? What if it was a number three role? What if he was offered a starter role, which we still don't know? It's somewhere like the Texans versus even a number one role. It seems to me these were all related. And if he had strong interest from an NFL team and say a number two role at a network, would the decision be different? I I guess my question is how committed was he to doing broadcast if it wasn't the sort of the number one team? That's a great question. Uh, I know that he was uh, seriously considering the Cowboys I think that uh, what what I've heard is that he really was taking a look at his post playing day uh, playing day's career, and that's that's where this came into play. Uh, yeah. Whether or not like you know he, he would have taken a starting quarterback 
position for a guaranteed playoff team with a chance to win the Super Bowl, would he go and do that? I, I don't know. The question that I have that I, I would love to ask former players is, you know, let's say Dak Prescott breaks his leg in week, you know, yeah. 16 or 15, and Jerry Jones is like, you know our system, we want you to come back. How long will it t- would it take Tony Romo, who is now wearing makeup and, 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 and sitting in a chair uh, analyzing games, to get into football shape to actually be a quarterback? I mean, is that a month-long process, two months, three months? Uh, or, or is, you know, it, it, it seems to me to be a lot different than when, you know, Michael Jordan went to play basketball and then he came and then he came back, took a couple of weeks to get in shape and then, and then scored 45 points for the uh, for the Bulls. Well, the question I thought you were going to ask is, would he do it? And I think what you've sort of skipped over is you assumed the answer would be yes. And, uh, you know, I guess we all kind oh, of I think he would. I think he that, would be tempted, don't you? I mean, I would be tempted. Geez, one one more go around and I, all I have to do is play in the playoffs. Yes, but then, again, I'm not saying he's disingenuous, but then we're back to, well, what about the body parts? I mean, yeah, I mean, exactly, if, the, exactly. if, it is, if, if it's not taxing the body anymore, that's the decision, then the broadcast part shouldn't even matter. Uh, so I guess, you know, here's my sort of cynicism. Is it really about the body or is it about he had this great option? Um, and would he be playing if there wasn't this option? I think he would be. I can be. tell you that the, the CBS executives uh, that I talked to believe that there's, you know, a 0% chance. I think uh, I think Romo yesterday in a conference call gave it a 1% chance. And, uh, yeah. and the, the executives were like, I, we wish he hadn't have said that because re- we really believe that he's just not going back, that he's com- completely committed mentally to, uh, to doing TV. And I believe that. I mean, I think he's going to enjoy the lifestyle and he's going to enjoy he's going to be good at it and all that stuff. So I believe it, but I will, you know, how many guys pick and pick a name, Troy Aikman, Brett Favre, even after he officially retired after the uh, Vikings, how many guys have not been tempted? So I think there will be a temptation, whether it's the Cowboys or someone else that loses a quarterback mid season. Well, there, there certainly will be headlines. I'm not sure if there will be the temptation, <laughs> but there. <laughs> There'll be the speculation. Well, John, something there's no speculation about is Blue Apron. They're the number one fresh ingredient recipe delivery service in the country. I have their meals all the time. They're great. It's affordable, less than $10 per person per meal, seasonal, pre-proportioned ingredients, and healthy as can be. So check it out. This week's menu, you get your first three. That's three meals free with free shipping. Just go to blueapron.com slash brand. My name, all caps, B-R-A-N-D-T. You'll love how good it feels, how good it tastes. It creates incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. Don't wait. BlueApron.com slash brand. Blue Apron. It's a better way to cook. And now, John, I want to ask about this Amazon deal. I, I, even more fascinating than the Tony Romo one. I, I just think it's a, it's a wild deal. Tell me about it. Uh, five times what Twitter paid last year, a still a one-year deal. How'd this come together? The NFL has 10 games that they're, uh, where they want to sell the streaming rights to a digital media company. And so they were entertaining companies like Facebook. Twitter had it last year. Uh, Google YouTube kicked the tires on it and, uh, and, and was looking into the rights. And Amazon. 
And uh, what the NFL is essentially doing here is you know, they sold it last year to Twitter. This is this deal with uh, Amazon is only a one year deal. Right. And, you know, NF, the NFL is so powerful and so popular and, and, and it is so ingrained in American culture. And I, I always describe it, Andrew, as like they want these digital companies to sort of like taste the, the crack so that when <laughs> they, they, they come in 2021, 2022, and the TV networks are saying, well, we're losing subscribers and we, were ha- we have fewer viewers, so we have to pay less, that, right. that all of a sudden Amazon is going to say, boy, when we had it for that one year, we sold so we sold x percent more you know we we brought in x percent more you know viewers and uh and all of a sudden it's going to be like when fox got the nfc package back in 1994 you know and and uh, everybody else was trying to to pay a lot less for it and uh, they just want to make sure that there's another bidder out there that is willing to commit a pricely sum of money when the when the next rights come up and and they have them lined up now. You have Facebook with Facebook Live. Twitter desperately wanted them back. Amazon is, uh, I mean, they're, they're thrilled to, to be able to have it. And like I said, Google YouTube as well. And who knows if Hulu or, you know, there's a whole host, who knows who else is going to be around in uh, in five years that, that would take a look, Netflix maybe, and say, we're going to use the NFL to, as a, a growth strategy. And maybe we'll lose money on the rights, but we're going to really grow with it. I totally agree, and I'm for those kind of the naysayers about the NFL, I'm like, really? I mean, the, who's the, na- I can't, the naysayers down, about down the, the NFL? Is are people that are just waiting for it to happen? It hasn't <laughs> happened. It is so. It is so much bigger than number two is college football, and then below that you have everything else. You know, it's it's a uh, they are so powerful. Yeah, and and. Was the, in your mind was the was Amazon winning this year just a, a bidding thing? Was there something about Amazon that won out beyond the money in term compared to the like you said the Googles, the Facebooks, the Twitters, etc. My uh, my personal opinion. I still need to to do some more reporting on this. So I, so this is more speculation than informed uh, uh, reporting. But the the NFL. You know, they did Twitter last year. They did a one-game one um, uh, streaming deal with Yahoo the year before. They're doing Amazon this year. They want to go in and just test all these digital companies with a pretty, you know, it's a pretty low-impact test because, honestly, I'm, I'm going to be watching those Thursday night games on television. I'm not going to necessarily be downloading Amazon Prime to watch them. Uh, so so it's a, there's not a lot of risk that goes along with it. But it is going to uh, give all these different companies a taste of what life with the NFL is going to be like, and they're going to find out life with the NFL is pretty pretty good and big, and you're going to be in the in the mix. And from the NFL standpoint, it just allows them to get in. The NFL knows so much more now about Twitter and what Twitter can deliver than they did a year ago, and uh, and and a year from now they're going to know so much more about Amazon and what Amazon can deliver than they do now. I do know that Amazon actually bid more than Twitter last year when when Twitter got it. So it's you know these rights fees you might hear you know, fifty million dollars and say like wow that's a huge I mean that's huge to me I guess but to the NFL it's 
it, it, it's more than a drop in a bucket, but maybe it's like five drops, you know, it's, it's, it's not that much money. So it's still, I, st- I think they're still viewing this as, as a test case. Yeah, I think people have to realize the $50 million from Amazon is not to broadcast Thursday Night Football. I mean, it's kind of an obvious point. This is an add-on. I mean, this is OTT streaming. This is beyond what CBS, what NBC, what NFL Network. I mean, I think that's an obvious point. But the $50 million is like, yeah, you know, we'll take that too. That's kind of an extra, right? Right. No, no, exactly. And, and I think <laughs> they want to get something. But but that that's not at fifty million. That's you know that that's not going to uh, do a ton for the NFL coffers. It, it, it's a it, this isn't a deal to bring a ton of money to to the NFL today. It's a deal to make sure that they get a lot of money in twenty twenty one when those deals start to come up. Right, and so I mean the functionality of Twitter last year I thought was terrific. I, I personally I found myself out at events on Thursday nights a lot during the fall and I just had that one one click and there was the game in great resolution on my iPhone so that obviously is not going to be the same with Amazon you need to have the prime subscription how's that going to work yeah so you need to be uh, essentially they took it uh, it's a very anti NFL deal in some respects it, hmm. they, they essentially set up a paywall for, for these streams. So you have to be an Amazon uh, prime subscriber. And I think that costs like $99 a year. It's not, it's not a ton, but um, they have, you know, 30, 40 million sort of subscribers there. They're hoping to ramp that up a, a little bit with this. And it's, um, it, it is a lot different than what Twitter was last year. I mean, I, I thought that, like you said, Twitter, it was one click and the and the video was pretty good. There was some some latency yeah. issues uh, that 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 were annoying. So I couldn't actually read my Twitter timeline and and watch a video at the same time because because uh, they were coming at different. Um, I guess the video was delayed sometimes, by as right. like a minute or so. Um, but I was I was really I thought it was great. I was like, wow, this is a future of television right here. It's a, it's right. a future of video, I suppose. Uh, I thought Twitter did a really credible job. And I'm curious to see what the uh, Amazon is going to look like. So you think these one-year deals will continue? And as your your theory goes, maybe throw a little breadcrumbs somewhere else next year. So they're all, like you said, lining up at the at the trough in 2021-22. Yeah, if I'm a gambler, I'm going to bet next year it'll go to Facebook, and the next year it'll go to uh, to YouTube. Maybe they'll go to two years. Who knows? Uh, but I <laughs> I think that um. I think that Thursday night football, which I, I read a lot of uh, NFL reporters, that they they think it's you know if not on its last legs, it's uh, it's it's not a robust uh, property for the NFL. I can tell you from a media standpoint, which is my beat, uh, it, the the NFL loves Thursday night football. It's an experimentation for them. It's an it's a nice uh, sum of money, and it, uh, it enables them to claim another night of, of television, which is not insubstantial. Yeah, and speaking of some of those, I wouldn't say dire, but some of those NFL reports of too much media or declining media, I mean, what is your thought on this oversaturation idea with Thursday night, Sunday, Sunday night, Monday night? It doesn't seem to me that Americans can be oversaturated with NFL football. Yeah, I, I, it's a... We we kind of addressed this earlier when we talked about you know the, yeah. the NFL na- naysayers <laughs> and that they're that are out there. 
I thought that there was going to be saturation when when they started Thursday night. Right? They started Thursday night, you know, more than a decade ago. I thought there was going to be saturation when they, you know, launched the NFL Network. Who needs an NFL Network? But boy, that's a nice right. robust network for them. Um, I thought there was going to be oversaturation when they did the Red Zone Channel and, and put it on. They did the Red Zone Channel. They put it on cable. They made it easy to get to. And all the networks hated it, except for guess what? TV ratings rose. I mean, so so the at every point where I see oversaturation, I there's never any evidence that there's oversaturation because the, the 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 league has uh, continued to grow by by leaps and bounds, even as it's expanded, you know, through through its own cable channel, through its. Uh, you know, broadband channel that through you know the, its website. It's it's a it's just a phenomenal story. I think. Yeah, and I'll leave you with this last question because I you did mention it. Sort of, there's there's NFL and then there's college football and everything else. Here we are. We're starting another baseball season. They seem to be flush. Obviously, we know player salaries are through the roof there. NBA entering the uh, the busy time with playoffs coming up, and we know the the payments from ESPN and otherwise, or everything looks healthy there. So, sort of a snapshot in time here with sports media. I mean, we know that things are changing with cord cutting, with cord shaving, but again, I'm looking at markers saying things look pretty healthy to me. So, one of the big stories that I've uh, been reporting over the last year is the uh, TV rating story for the NFL, which was down 10% this year. Right. And what I found, what I found fascinating about this story is that the TV network executives and the sponsorship executives, the guys that, that buy the ads are totally unconcerned about that drop. They have mm. no concern whatsoever. They're seeing a, a, an overall TV environment where, where you're seeing ratings and viewership and interest drop like a stone. So a 10% drop, you know, with, with you know, during the Trump um, candidacy and presidency, you know, that, 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 that doesn't do much for them. The ones who are really concerned is Roger Goodell and the NFL uh, executives who are mm-hmm. now trying to do whatever they can. They're switching the ad breaks around. They're trying to do whatever they can to arrest it because they've never seen this before. But the people that are really invested in the NFL, they they're they're completely unconcerned by that drop, and I am too. I think the the easiest prediction in the world to to, to make is that the NFL ratings are going to be up next year because uh, I, I think that you know the presidential election in particular just took a a, a lot of um, steam out of the ratings out of the league's ratings. And other sports, I mean, and is there a sport that we're going to see this? It's relative to the NFL, of course, much smaller, but kind of a either an increase coming up or a decrease coming up based on what you're seeing out there. You know, it's interesting. I, I think other sports are, you know, they have their up years and their down years. I'm, I'm, I've been big on the NBA. I think it hits demos that uh, that the advertisers and, and TV executives love. Uh, I think baseball has done a lot to to turn itself around. Um, everybody keeps talking about soccer. I, I always wonder if soccer's plateaued a little bit, um, at least from a, a, a TV standpoint. But the, the one thing about live sports in this current in the in the cord cutting environment that you talked about is that 
people can cut the cord because you're going to binge watch uh, various shows. You right. can't binge watch live sports. You just can't do it. Uh, and, uh, you know, you have to watch it live. And so that's why live sports, I've been saying this for a decade, and I think, I think I'm finally right. Live sports is one thing that's holding the whole, like, cable pay TV industry together. Because I can tell you, without live sports, if I didn't need to see my Orioles and my Wizards play, like, <laughs> I would have, I would have cut the cord a decade ago. I, I, I don't need need to, you know, watch CNN. I, I, mm-hmm. I, it's, uh, uh, I, I think that even even if you see some ratings declines, or ra- even if you see ratings go up, it doesn't really matter because because sports is holding its its head a whole lot better than every other genre on TV. Right. No, I agree. I mean, and you and I are going to talk in a symposium this week on sports and the future and millennials. And I think there's concerns by leagues, as you mentioned, with Roger Goodell and framing commercials better and stoppages in play. But it seems like what else is there? I mean, everyone, to your point, everyone will binge watch a series. No one will binge watch past sporting events. You know, you fact, Andrew, I, was, I was complaining to uh, an ESPN executive that should go that will go on unnamed about that. Yeah. I, I think it was the Michigan Ohio State game that went like four and a half hours, and I was like, "What are you going to do to get that de- get that down?" They were like, and the answer was, "We wish it went five and a half hours." You you don't think we like <laughs> we like four and a half hours of Michigan Ohio State football? It was great. Yeah. <laughs> so this whole idea of, com- of trying to make things shorter, like you don't need to make things shorter. People come in and sample maybe and leave, but. But yeah, the longer the better. Yeah. It's been great, John. And a, and a quick plug at the end here. John is my guest at a symposium Friday. If anyone's around Philadelphia area, sports media and millennials. John will be there along with Peter King, Chuck Todd from Meet the Press, Erica Nardini who runs Barstool Sports, Jane McManus, ESPNW. So many there and uh, happy to have John and happy to have John on the Business of Sports podcast. Thanks for being with me. That was fun. And thank you for listening to the Business of Sports podcast. Follow me on Twitter, at Andrew Brandt. Listen to all Business of Sports podcasts on RussTucker.com, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you hear your podcasts. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.